I, uh, I, I always print off my message beforehand to give it to the sound team in the back so they kind of know exactly where I'm going throughout the message. And I printed it out today and there's only four pages. And I was like, man, that's crazy short for me. Like normally I'm like five, six pages deep um, because I just go literally word by word. Um, but my goal is to one day be as cool as Pastor John because a couple weeks back, I was feeling sick and I was supposed to speak, but he was like, hey, I can print mine off just in case something happens, just in case something hits you crazy, I can come up and, and speak, so I said, that'd be great. And so he printed off his message, and it was literally like three bullet points, like five words total, and he can, he can preach for 30 minutes like that, so that's impressive. So shout out to Pastor John. Today, I'm four pages deep. Oh, yeah. I want to be like that. Uh, today I'm going to be reading from Genesis chapter 8, verse 22 in the ESV, and it simply says, there it is, it simply says, while the earth remains seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night shall not cease. Amen. If you would just pray with me. Let's just pray. In fact, before we start to pray, let's just get a couple things straight. The fact is we already had amazing worship, and I'm going to do my best to communicate whatever God's given me. I'm going to do my absolute best. But the truth of the matter is the rest of the service is completely in the hands of the church. Whatever happens after this, we're going to have an altar call where we can respond to whatever God says today and whatever he's trying to speak to us through his word. But the rest of the service is in the hands of the church. The outcome of whatever happens today is solely in your hands. And so whatever you want from the last Sunday of 2023, that's all up to you. And the fact is, the truth of the matter is, the best way to start something great is by ending something great. I read a book and it's talking about having amazing mornings. It's called The Miracle Morning. It's a great book. It's talking about getting all the best things in your day done first. But in the book, the first thing that this author says, his name is Hal Elrod. The first thing he says is the best way to start your day is by ending the night previous on a great note. And so for us in 2024, the best way to start 2024 is by having an incredible service right here in 2023. And so let's just take a moment. Let's just all together in unity, let's just pray over this message, pray over this service and say, God, I'm asking you to allow whatever has happened in this last year, let it come to a close today so that we can start tomorrow off in something brand new and something incredible. In the name of Jesus, I'm asking you, God, to let the former, former be less than the latter. In Jesus' name, allow next year to be greater than this year. And I'm asking you, God, to let us start right here, right now in 2023. In Jesus' name. Amen. You can take a seat. Prior to Genesis, in fact, in Genesis chapter 1, 1 verse 14, and it says, And God said, Let there be light in the expanse of the heavens to separate the day from the night, and let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and for years. Today I want to talk specifically about seasons in our lives, spiritual seasons that we walk through and go through, and sometimes we don't even realize the seasons that we're in, but until you can recognize a season that you're currently in, you'll never be able to prepare for it. It's like walking outside and having no idea that it's winter or summer, and you're just putting on whatever you want, and you're just not prepared for the actual season at hand. And so 
the one, one of the first things that God created when he created everything was seasons and those times and those patterns within time and he, and he named them seasons. They're cyclical patterns intended to repeat until the day that the earth stops rotating. These things were set in motion a long time ago and they'll continue to go until far after we're dead and gone. But seasons will never stop until God says everything needs to stop. And so God set these things in motion and it's not always day and it's not always summer. There has to be a winter and there has to be a night because it's just cyclical. This is just the way things are done and these patterns, they change throughout the year and you can expect the day to come after the night and you can expect the night to come after the day. You can expect it week after week and year after year. These are just things that we take for granted, but these are things that God spoke into existence at the beginning and now we're just living in it. But the same thing happens in our spiritual lives. These things are just spoken into existence, these seasons that we're going to have to walk through. And if you're not aware or conscious about these seasons that we just walk through, you're in danger because you can be up for anything and have no idea what's coming next. And so life is created with rhythm and with tempo, with a beat and with a pattern. And that's just how life is. In fact, there's a great book it's called My Life in Rhythm. And it talks about how dangerous it is to try to look at your life and say, hey, I want to balance my life from this day forward. That's a lot of things that people say, you know, when the new year comes around. I want to, I want to make sure my life is balanced in 2024. But this, this book called My Life in Rhythm is talking about the dangers of trying to balance something that's always on its edge, Right? And so when you try to balance your life, it's impossible to make two days the exact same because each day is new and different and each season that you're in is new and is different. And so instead of trying to balance a day and say, hey, this day is going to be perfectly set in stone and I know exactly what needs to be done and how it needs to be done, instead of doing it like that, you need to assess the situation and say, what season am I actually in right now in my life? And then you can map it out from there. You see, if you're in a season where you have to work two jobs and take care of a family, your standards need to drop in everything else in your life. It's keeping the main thing, the main thing, the priorities your priority. If your walk with God begins to diminish, you need to say, hey, I need to set everything else aside and focus on the most important thing in my life. And then from there, we can map out the rest. But if your, your, your relationship with God isn't straight, and if your relationship with your family isn't straight, then everything else is just going to be a disaster anyway. And so, I don't know if they found a picture, but there's this, there's this cool picture that I found. There it is. Uh, it, it talks about, you know, as your life moves throughout its stages, there are things that give and take, right? You got, you got time, money, and energy. It's like when I'm young, I had no money, but I had plenty of energy, plenty of time to do whatever I wanted. And so the struggle was, man, I want to get the things I can't get. And then when you're an adult, middle age, you start moving into a place where you have zero time, but you have more money and you, have, you still have a solid amount of energy. And then when you're older, you have no energy, but you got all the time and all the money in the world. And so it's finding the balance in the season of life that you're in and using it accordingly. You see, your priorities are so important. And so if you're not focusing on your walk with God first, everything else just begins to fall. And you have to understand exactly where you are and what season you're in. You see, too often we look at the difficult seasons in life and, and we ask God why and we ask God to deliver me and we ask God to take me out of this tough situation that I find myself in. 
But the problem is God determines certain things in our lives. And if we actually ask God to take us out of something, and if he actually does take you out of it prematurely, you'll be missing out on the blessings that was waiting for you at the end of those tough seasons. The hardships in your life are created to make you stronger at the end of it. If you're not willing to stick with God through the hard times, why would God stick with you in the good times? You see, when we persevere in the painful seasons and continue to press towards the mark, God just does something very special. There are special blessings that come at the end of those seasons. And so I'm going to read from Ecclesiastes chapter 3. I don't know how many verses, but it's quite a bit. But this is a, this is a great, great chapter talking about seasons. And so let's just get into it. To everything there is a season and a time to every purpose under heaven. A time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to pluck up which has been planted. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to break down and a time to build up. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones together. A time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. A time to get and a time to lose. A time to keep and a time to cast away. A time to rend and a time to sow. A time to keep silence and a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate. A time for war and a time for peace. What profit hath he that worketh and that wherein he laboreth? You see, the truth is, God sets these things in motion and says, hey, there is a time and a season for all of these struggles in your life. You can't just push away the hard times because they're intended for the good times. You'll never appreciate the sun until you live through the night. You'll never appreciate or the rain. You'll never appreciate the daytime until you live in seasons of darkness. And you'll never appreciate the goodness of God until you walk with God when there's nothing else in your life but God standing by you. And so stop praying away the difficulties and the pain, but instead embrace them and say, God, you're still with me and that's good enough for me you see as a child I, I used to play with a Nintendo 64 that was that's throwback for some of y'all that's that's really new for for other people <laughs> but my my Nintendo 64 it wasn't mine as my friends but we used to play all the best games Smash Bros uh, tanks GoldenEye, all that stuff but but on the Nintendo 64 on the console there's a there's two buttons on the left and the right the first button is just on and off. And on the right side, there was a reset button. Now, that reset button was important for us. Whenever we started to play, we would save our progress throughout the game. And when we got far enough in a level or a boss and found out, hey, like, we're not going to make it out of here. Like, this is bad. Like, we're, we're wasting five hours of our day if we, if we don't do something. Like, one of us would quickly smash the reset button so that we can jump back to the last save point so we don't have to die and just lose everything. You see, the reset button is so important to us. And I, in fact, I've, I've recently found myself, and I've found myself in the past throughout these years of walking with God, just kind of praying and say, God, just hit the reset button on my life. If you can just hit the reset button real quick. Like, I find myself a little bit over my head right now. I'm in over my head. Like, my finances aren't in shape. My relationships aren't in shape. I feel like my work life's not in shape. My walk with you is definitely not in shape. And I just need you to just take me back to a place where everything's just straight and narrow and I can build from there. I'm a little bit wiser now, so if you can just hit the reset button in my life, I'd really appreciate it. Amen. I mean, how many times 
Have you looked at yourself and said, man, if I could just, just start five years back, my life would be so much better. But I'm stuck because I feel like I have to drag everything that I've already made, these decisions and choices, and I can't just go back and change it. I can't change the relationships that I've already hurt. I can't change the marriage that I've already hurt. I can't change the finances that I already put myself in debt in. I can't change these habits that has put me in a slump. And it's so difficult to just break my way out. And, you know, the beauty of God is he doesn't need a new year to set everything straight. You see, for us, we, we, I love the new year. It feels like everything can just start over in a moment. It feels like, hey, it's a new year, new me, right? New year, new me. I said that for the last 29 new years. But hey, listen, it's still a new me, and I'm going to try to do it. But, but the truth is, God doesn't need one, one day a year to change everything in your life. He can do it right now on December 31st of 2023. He doesn't need tomorrow. He doesn't need midnight. He can change everything when you need him to. You see, I can't, I can't fully explain it. I don't have the capacity in my vocabulary, my words, or I, I, can't, I can't think of the best way to explain it. But I can, I can honestly say that there have been times in my life when it felt like everything was just chaotic. And I would step into the presence of God. And it's not that God changes my situations. Instead, he changes me. And he changes the way I view things in my life. And he gives me a hope when I, when I thought there was nothing to look forward to. And it's these moments where God just shifts everything inside of me. It doesn't change the things around me. It just changes me. And it's like, man, I can, I can continue doing this. I can still press forward. Isaiah 43, 18 through 19 says, Remember ye not the former things, neither consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall ye not know it? I will even make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. You see, if you've come to church carrying something in your heart, hoping like you do every single year that maybe the new year will be something different. Maybe January 1st will have a magic, magic thing about it. Hear me when I say that God doesn't need to start tomorrow. He can do it right now, today. But God needs somebody who's willing and open and saying and honest enough to say, hey, I... I, I just need, I need you to get, take everything from me. I'm not holding on to anything right now. I'm not, I'm not clinging on to my pride right now. I'm not clinging on to my own abilities. I'll give you everything in my life. You see, I remember, I specifically remember this day. You see, in, in my life, the most memorable moments with God were just me and him. Usually isn't in a prayer meeting. Sometimes it is in a church service, but it's usually just a personal moment with me and God. And, and, I remember specifically, I was, we were youth pastors, and this was a couple years ago, but I remember I was just going through one of the toughest seasons, just drained, spiritually just completely drained, busy all the time, had no time to do the things that I needed to do. I, I, I was just in over my head, but, but sometimes you can just continue to press day at a time, day at a time, not understanding the weight that keeps on just getting added to your back over and over and over day after day. It's just a little weight. But after a while, you hit a rock and you're like, man, I, I can't move forward. But I remember I was here at the church because we were about to leave for a youth retreat. And I remember just sitting in, back there in the sound room by myself because I was here before anybody making sure everything was in order. 
And I remember just sitting there, man, and I just said, God, I don't know if I can make it the next three days. I, I legit think I might lose my mind. And I just remember the peace of God just coming in. And I, I remember God speaking to me and saying, you're doing well. You're doing well. Just keep on pressing. You're, you're, you're going to do this. And I just felt something from the inside change. Nothing changed on the outside. It was just internal. And like Solomon said, every single season of our lives are profitable to God. And there is a time for the pain and there's a time for the suffering. There's a time to weep and there's a time to mourn. There's a time to break down and there's a time for war. And these seasons are God made and God intended. And because it's made by God, these seasons are good. They're good. Now, on the other side, there are some other types of seasons I'm going to talk about here in a moment. You see, there's a new technique in the farming industry called cloud seeding. This is a process where you would take a plane and you would start to burn silver iodide on these planes and then ship them off into clouds. And this chemical reaction would take place where where water particles within clouds would become attracted to the burning silver iodide and they would become heavier and heavier until they begin to fall as rain or as snow. We're now able to create rain and snow. We can, we can speed up the process of a natural season or a natural phenomenon and we're able to take this and, and allow, allow rain to fall in times of drought in times where there are no, there is no rain or there is no snow, we can create it artificially. You see, there is spiritual cloud seeding as well. Whether you know it or not, whether you're aware you do it or not, we have the ability to create seasons in our own lives. The problem is, man-made seasons are unnatural. Man-made seasons are not of God. And if you're constantly trying to reject the season that God places you in and you create your own season in replacement of them, you're not living in the will of God. Amen. You see, the spirit world is important to understand that there is God created seasons and man created seasons. And, and the seasons that don't look pretty or enjoyable are still needed for you. But in the spirit world, you can create your own seasons of your life. And these seasons become so prevalent, it's not just a moment, it's actually an entire season and it becomes cyclical where every single year, every single month, every single, every three months, something happens in your life and you go into a, a spiritual drought, a spiritual season of sin, a season where you indulge in what you want the most, your, what your flesh wants the most. And it, it's not just a moment of weakness. Now you're living in a season of weakness. And it becomes so consistent and it becomes a pattern and it becomes routine that somewhere along the road you just believe in yourself that this is just who I am. But it's not who you are. It's who you made yourself to be. And if it's not made by God, it is not good. You see, if, if your life is just a great spiritual victory followed by great spiritual defeat, you need to understand that that is not of God and that's man-made. 
You see, the Bible says to go from victory into victory, but it seems like for some people, the pattern is just one victory into an even greater defeat. It's one step forward, two steps back. Doing one thing great with God and then taking two steps back the other way. And that just seems to be the pattern for some people in their lives. And you need to know that this is the, the reason why that is going on is because you've created an artificial season of sin in your life. And you think it's just something that you are, but it's not. It's just something that you made. And if it's made by man, it can be destroyed by God. I promise you that. You see, you build a habit and a pattern of sin along your journey, dealing with the same issue over and over, coming to a place where you're tired of resisting, so you get into a state of acceptance. And you've created storms, seasons of storms in your own life, and you're convinced, hey, this is just what I'm going to have to go through for the rest of my life. But the God that stopped the physical storm is the same God that can stop the spiritual storm, whether you created it or God created it. He can stop it all in a moment. He can stop it all. In order to break these sinful seasons in our lives, these patterns in our lives, you have to begin to recognize these patterns. You have to be aware of them. In order for you to actively attack a man-made season, you need to know that it's coming. Just like you know that winter's coming after the fall, just like you know snow's going to fall in February, you just need to know when it's coming so that you can attack it head on. You see, just in transparency for me personally, and everybody's a little bit different, I don't, I don't fall when my seasons, when, when, when life is just difficult. I tend to stumble after my greatest victories spiritually. You see, we, 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 were, we, didn't have, we were praying for a child for years, and those, those were hard times. They were difficult times. But I can honestly say that my faith never wavered. I, I wasn't really hurt by that stuff. That didn't affect me spiritually. But for me personally, the greatest failures of my life has always followed my greatest victories. It's when I feel like, man, I did something great for God, and I just get a little bit lazy. I, I, I lower my standards just a little bit, and it's like the enemy just begins to slip through the cracks. And if I'm not strong enough, or if I don't have strong enough convictions, it's just, man, man, I'm just going to go through it all over again. I'm going to mess up again. And if you don't know the patterns in your own life, you're just gonna, this is just going to be your life until you begin to stop these patterns. Where God slips in. See, for some people, man, it might be the great victories that lead to greater defeat. Sometimes it is the season of the darkness that you're just like, man, I just, I, just, I just deserve something. I just need something to lift myself back up. And you just go into it again. Whatever that is. Whatever that sin is. And if you're constantly struggling with the same thing over and over and over and over, you need to understand that this is a pattern and a habit built in your spiritual life created by you and you alone you see in in ecclesiastes there was it let me go back to it for a second there are so many things that just simply made sense to me right there's a season to be born a season to die to plant to pluck up to weep to laugh to mourn to cry to lose to win to keep to cast away but there was one verse in there that that seemed to stick out to me because it didn't necessarily make sense and that was uh verse number five it says a time to cast away stones 
and a time to gather stones together. I didn't understand this one. Didn't make sense. So I tried to do a little bit of digging. I tried to understand exactly what this meant to cast away stones and to gather stones together. <clears throat> and 2 Kings 3 to 5 or 325 kind of explains it. And it says, and they beat down the cities and on every good piece of land, every man cast his stone and filled it. And they stopped all the wells of water and they felled the good trees only in Kira is something, something. Left they the stones thereof, howbeit the slingers went about it and smote it. You see, this is a war strategy. This is a strategy of war that, that the Israelites used. Whenever they went to a city and took over, they would take stones and they would cast stones in the fields in order to make these fields unusable, unplantable, unprofitable. And so they would take these stones and completely cover fields so that nobody could use them anymore, making them useless, making, making the entire cities useless, unable to live in, inhabitable. And so these stones were used to bury fields of enemies, rendering them useless and unable to produce. But in Isaiah chapter 5, 1 through 2, it, it, it explains the other side where, where it says to gather stones. And this chapter is talking about preparing a vineyard. And Isaiah says, now I will sing to my beloved a song of my beloved touching, the, touching his vineyard. My well-beloved hath a vineyard in a very fruitful hill, and he fenced it and gathered out the stones thereof. And then he planted in it with the choicest vine and built a tower in the midst of it. You see, the stones that were gathered or, or, or dispersed were meant to, to keep something producible or unproducible to make something able to grow or unable to grow. And in our lives, what we don't understand is that when we live in these seasons of defeat, seasons of sin, we're casting stones onto the harvest. We're casting stones into fields, making them unable to grow. But I'm here to say that for some of us in this room, the next season of your life is to begin to gather up these things that you cast down, whether it's through laziness, bad habits, just stuff from the past that you can't let go. But it's time to begin to gather up the stones to make your life profitable to God. How many times do you have to come to church on a Sunday before you realize that your life is still usable by the hands of God? You just need to clean some things up a little bit. You just need to clean it up. You see, seasons of sin lead to famine. If you don't understand what it is, whenever you indulge in these unnatural seasons, they become consistent and predictable. Not just moments, but seasons of weakness covering our own fields, making them useless. God can't use somebody who indulges in themselves. As an individual, you need to look at your life and recognize the season that you're in. Either God-made or man-made. What season are you in right now? Just because it's bad, just because it doesn't feel good, doesn't mean it's bad, right? See, God can't produce and harvest covered in stones. But, but some people don't even know what it's like to live in a season of victory. You can come to church for decades and have no idea what it's like to live in an entire season of victory. And the reason why is because you created a pattern in your life of seasons of sin, 
followed by a moment of repentance, followed by seasons, seasons of sin. For some people, the deepest part of your walk with God is just a moment of forgiveness. Forgiveness is powerful, don't get me wrong. It's powerful and it's needed every single day. But if that's as deep as you're going to get with God, you're missing out on so much more of what God can do through you and use you for. Like if your life is just sin after sin, followed by a powerful moment of repentance, back into the same thing over and over and over again, you're living in a sinful repetition where the grace of God is always sufficient. But I promise you there's so much more than just moments of repentance. See, they're going to put a picture up behind me of the tabernacle. For some people, the, the, the brazen altar is a place of repentance. And for some people, you just get so used to walking in the outer courts, finding God at the brazen altar, and then walking right back outside. Never experiencing what it's like to actually walk into the tabernacle, let alone the holy of holies. Let alone the place where God is manifest. Let own a place in prayer where nothing else matters and you're standing in the presence of God and you can't even explain it but seasons of victory will take you places that words just can't simply explain people just simply don't understand the power of anointing that comes with seasons of victory there is a calling of God on every single person's life. And that's only found when God can trust you with a season of victory. With a moment, with a season where you're like, I'm just setting everything aside right now. And I'm marching towards you. In fact, I'm closing that the music can come. This is such an important point I, I, I want to talk about right now. Because this is something that I've found in so many lives, including, my, including myself. But in John chapter 4, 15 through 16, it says, The woman saith unto him, Sir, give me this water that I thirst not, neither come hither to draw. And Jesus said unto her, Go, call thy husband, and come hither. This is talking about the woman at the well. This is the lady who had just a promiscuous past. And, and she went to the well in the middle of the day, which is unheard of. Most people come in the morning or the evening. But she came at the middle of the day so that she, was, she didn't have to face the other women. She didn't have to deal with the shame of her past. So she came by herself in the middle of the day and Jesus met her there. And he said, hey, if you want to quench that thirst that will that, always be there, you can, you can take the life, the living water from me. And she said, I want, draw some from me. Just give me something. I, I, I need something. And this beautiful moment where Jesus said the next step for her is to, hey, go call your husband and then come back. You see, a lot of people in this room, the patterns of sin, the patterns of defeat, the seasons of stumbling, the seasons of falling tend to come from something in your past. It's usually a past something that you just, whenever you're the weakest, you just draw back upon and you fall again and again and again and again and again and it's beautiful because Jesus told her hey before you can draw on this living water you need to go talk to your husband and then come back deal with the things from your past and then come back you see 2024 is going to look the exact same way as 2023 unless you do something different than you did in this last year 
You can't just come to church and expect everything in your life to change unless you're willing to put in the work that it takes as well. You can't live your life the same exact way and expect a different outcome because of it. God always calls you to a place of pressure. He always takes you to a place of difficulty where he says, I need you to do something you've never done before. I need you to confront somebody that you've been ignoring for a long time. I need you to face the past like you haven't done in a while. For a lot of people's parents, man, some of y'all need to talk to your parents and talk about the things that's happened because you're going to continue to carry them for the rest of your life. You're going to be a slave to your past until you're willing to root it out and dig it out. If you'll just stand with me today. You see, I am a firm believer that these moments that we're going to have with God are simply gateways into new ways of living. It's just, listen, I'm a youth pastor. My, my job is not to save the soul of a student. It's not my job. My job is to create an atmosphere where God can meet somebody my job is to do my absolute best to create a moment where God is standing in front of somebody and they're confronted with something that they, they've been ignoring for a long time. I can't force somebody to pray. I can't force somebody to receive the Holy Ghost. I can't force somebody to be baptized in the name of Jesus. I can't force these things on anybody's life. But what I can do, I can do my best to create a moment between a person and their creator. And in those moments of worship, things just begin to change for those who are willing to submit to the Spirit of God. You see, I tell this story a lot because it's moved me and it's changed me in, in a lot of ways. But there's so much power when an individual is just willing to worship God in a moment. When you're just willing to worship God and just say, hey, everything else aside, it's just me and you right now. I just want to worship the Creator. Just bring me back to a place where I don't need to worry about the person next to me. I don't care about my reputation right now. I don't care that nobody's seen me jumping a long time. Maybe, hey, this is a time for jumping for some people, right? Uh, uh, but you need to get to a place where you don't care about anything else other than the God of this world. The God that's standing right in front of you and said, hey, I just want to give it all in this moment. But I remember we were in Mexico and I remember going to this church and in the beginning of the service, everyone was dancing. There's a, there's a video of me just like standing behind a chair, like gassed out, like breathing as hard as I could because for 30 minutes before that, I had people just grabbing my arm and spinning around and jumping and dancing. I had the oldest ladies grabbing me and the youngest girls just grabbing my arm we're just dancing in the altars. I remember that service so clearly because at the end of the service, we, we said, hey, we're going to do an altar call. If you need the Holy Ghost, I want you to come to the front. If you've never received the Holy Ghost, come to the front. And, and we invited anybody who has yet to experience God on that level to come up and receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And I remember looking at the faces. There were six people that stood before me. And I remember looking at their faces, and it was the same exact people who would grab my arm and spin me around during the worship. I was, I was I, I literally, I remember standing there before we even prayed for them and said, God, what's going on? <laughs> like these people, I thought these people were part of the church for a long, long time. I was told that they were some of the first time guests, some of the second time guests. They've been coming for a little bit. But, but I said, God, what's going on? They worship harder than I do. They, they taught me how to worship at the beginning. What's going on here? 
And, and God just spoke to my mind and he said, they don't even understand what they were doing, but their worship was a war, was warfare. And it was a weapon that cut straight down the middle. It, it, it was a weapon that cut past all of their sin, all of their shame. It cut past all of the past weights of, the, of guilt that they held on to. Once they began to worship, it's like I could speak directly to them and we could ignore the mess and we can just get to a place where it's just me and them. See, the miraculous follows somebody who's willing to just worship. The miracles follow. You don't need to understand these things of God. You just need to know that you're worshiping the one true God, Yeshua, the Messiah, Jesus from on high, the one that came and died for your sin. There's so much power when somebody's just saying, hey, let's set it all aside. Let's just be in a worship in the presence of God. That's what we're going to do here. If you want to come, I invite you to come to these altars, and we're just going to worship together last service of 2023 let's just worship as a church and say god everything that i need in my life moving forward is found in places of worship it's not found in a better job it's not found in finances it's found in worship so let's just begin to lift up our hands and say god it's just me and you right now and i could care less about what anybody thinks about me i'm just here to worship the master God, my words will never be able to scratch the surface of the goodness of God. But with what I've got, I can give it all right now in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. God, just let God just begin to speak to you right now. Your name is 